They've watched Citizen Kane a combined 200 times. Elliot's first words were, I personally thought the use of Dutch angles was derivative in the 400 blows. And Nathan's favorite historical figure is Fritz Lang. Now they're bringing that snootiness to you with Magellan's at the Movies. Elliot, big episode today. Big episode today. I'm since this whole episode is going to be banter. I say I say we kind of jump somewhat right in, unless you've got something to something to banter about. This this is a big episode. I'm really excited for this episode. No, we might as well get this nonsense over with. Elliot, Elliot, are you not quite as excited for this episode as I am? Not quite. That's tough. All right. Well, let me. Let's jump in. I'll explain the concept of this episode. So every 10 episodes, we do a special episode. And this week, we thought we would do a wide view of the Star Wars media franchise of as many facets as we can talk about here in this episode. We're going to talk about the books. We're going to talk about the movies. We're going to talk about the shows, the video games. We're going to talk about, um, that's it. But those things, I'm super excited. Star Wars is one of my favorite franchises of all time, which is a lame thing to say, I think, but everyone has a favorite franchise, even if it's not something they feel that, you know, strongly about. But I'm really excited about this. Let's start by talking, Elliot, you know, what, what's kind of been your experience with Star Wars? Let's start there. Let's start there. <laughs> My experience of Star Wars has been like the exact same as yours. <laughs> uh, I know, but I can't, this this whole episode can't just be me talking about Star Wars. It's the Magellans, not the Magellan. Well, I mean, it was a big part of the old childhood. I still remember... <laughs> The day when Dad showed us the Phantom Menace, and I didn't know what either of those words meant, so I thought that it was going to be an episode of Bob the Builder. <laughs> yeah, you. we used to watch it a lot, like probably way too much, because this is, in fact, a franchise for children. So it, it was very <laughs> appealing to us as children. Um, yeah, I've... Watched the original trilogy and the prequel trilogy many, many times. Not so many times the sequel trilogy. I've read some of the books. I tried to get into the EU, but just sort of bounced off of it because it was a bit too dense uh, for my liking. Um, but yeah, played some of the video games, watched some of the sh- some of the shows. It's 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 impossible to not have some kind of knowledge of this franchise and my that's my experience of it my feelings towards it are um complicated yeah well i think we'll get into that as we go through your feelings on uh the movies and the shows i think yeah like like you said 
some of my earliest memories, and especially some of my earliest memories related to movies, are in relation to the Star Wars movies. I remember the day, I do remember the day that we were finally allowed to start watching the prequel trilogy. The dad was like, oh, we can watch Phantom Menace now. I did not think it was going to be Bob the Builder because I was, you know, older and smarter than you. (laughs) But what I remember is the first time watching the original trilogy. And I seem to remember or have constructed a memory of dad sitting me down before showing me it and saying, Nathan, this is like one of the most important things you're going to see in your life. Like, this is a big deal. (laughs) This is going to change your life. (laughs) And then I've been told, spoilers for Empire Strikes Back here, I've been told that I had a very visceral reaction to Darth Vader saying, Luke, I am your father. That I was distraught and before... Like I was in bed bawling, like crying and dad had to sit, had to sit down and be like, Nathan, like, it's fine. Luke's going to be fine. Darth Vader, he wasn't, he wasn't lying. He, Luke is Darth Vader's son, but like, it's okay. He's still a good guy. Like I was just shattered by this twist. And I, I love Star Wars. I'm a huge, it will probably come through as I talk about how much I know about all these things, but. (laughs) yeah um saying all that let's jump into the first the first thing this was elliot you were very you were kind of excited about this so you can you can talk about this one let's talk about the video games the video games of star wars there's a wide variety elliot which ones did we play which ones do we have some knowledge of wow uh viewers (laughs) let me take you back to a time that I can't remember the exact date of, but we were on vacation in Kansas City, staying with some family friends called the Waz. Shout out to the, shout out to the Waz, and they had a PlayStation Two. Upon this PlayStation Two, they had Star Wars Battlefront Two, and one of the sons. Sorry, I can't remember your name. Yeah, one. Did they only have one? You said two. They had Battlefront One. No, it was Battlefront 2. I don't know if that's true. Continue your story, though. It was definitely Battlefront 2. Here's the the thing with memory. Stop. I I don't care about the whole memory thing. (laughs) I am definitely right. You are definitely wrong. Anyway, um, so they had Battlefront 2, and we were terrible at it, but we were also enthralled by it. We were completely taken by this the notion that you could play in these big star wars battles on the battlefront itself so that was like the inception of us becoming the capital g gamers that we are today (laughs) because that inspired us to then buy a ps2 off of eBay to pool our money to buy a PS2 off of eBay, get Battlefront 2, and from then on, we must have played... I I can't... I shudder to imagine how much we played that game. Um, But it was a A lot. A disgusting amount. Yeah, it's too much. Um, Eventually, we would get (laughs) Star Wars Battlefront 1, and we played that to death as well. But yeah, those games were huge, like... 
that was the foundation, I think, of our identity as people was Star Wars Battlefront. Um, that's an exaggeration, obviously. But the, the, those video games were huge parts of our childhood. And of course, that also led to us being so distraught at the prospect of not playing Star Wars Battlefront, the reboot that EA made, that we would then get a PlayStation 4, <coughs> excuse me, and a flat screen TV to play it on. And yeah, the rest is history. So that those are the those are the two main games. I've also played other stuff. Like I played the Jedi Fallen Order and Survivor games. Uh those are fine. Although you know, they've got their issues. Yeah, we also played Lego Star Wars the Complete Saga quite a bit. But Dude, that yeah, the first those... level of Revenge of the Sith in Lego Star Wars the Complete Edition, that was great. That was the what a great level. <laughs> we I don't know why we liked the level so much. It was like an on-rails shooter sort of thing. But yeah, we would play it, and you could only play it in story mode, and then I would usually hit, like, X through the, like, post-level recap thing so fast that we would end up playing, like, the next level in story mode as well, and we would get stuck. I seem to remember doing that a lot, because it annoyed you. <laughs> I don't know well, if I don't you remember, remember that, that, so it probably didn't happen. It did, Elliot. My memory is better than yours. Yeah, I think the biggest thing with the video games is not that we thought that, like, I just remember being amazed by Battlefront and, like, it felt like something that I had made or that I would come up with because it was such a, like, perfectly made for kids like it wasn't very difficult you didn't have to be like we we for sure were terrible at it but i still remember like doing better than the ai because the ai was like brainless in the original battlefront shout out to the original battlefront rebels who upon defeating an enemy even if they were surrounded by stormtroopers would then <clears throat> take out their pistol and shoot at the body until it disappeared just saying inane stuff like stay down while they were being actively massacred. <laughs> it felt like, I think it was a design thing because they would switch to pistol. So mm -hmm. they would switch to a weapon and they would like get up close. It's not like they didn't realize that they were dead. Because they weren't, like, shooting it from far away. They would run up to be right by the body and then shoot it. But there was apparently no code to, like, check and see if it was a good time to be doing that. Because, <laughs> yeah, they run out of cover right into the enemy sight lines to shoot a dead body. <laughs> yeah. So the video games were a huge part. I don't think they're as big a part of Star Wars anymore. I've also played Fallen Order. I thought it was a fairly uh, inoffensive action-adventure game that I was reasonably unmoved by on the whole. So, all right, well, let's, 
let's get to the next one. And this one will be me talking more than you, but you can start. It's the books. There is, in case you didn't know, there was a huge amount of Star Wars books written from pretty much the time the original Star Wars movie came out until when Disney acquired Star Wars and then retconned all of those books. It's like over a hundred some books. It's a huge amount of things that formed a canon that is now known as the expanded universe. Uh, Elliot, what was your, what was your experience with these, this huge part of the Star Wars mythos? Yeah. So I came late to all that. The only reason I wanted to read the books is because Nathan and dad read the books and I just wanted to be included and I wanted to <laughs> jump on the bandwagon and I didn't have the the security of identity enough to be like, actually, I, I just don't like it very much. But so this is going to I'm going to struggle to remember here. I read a book that was about like Darth Maul or something or like Darth Maul was the antagonist. I can't remember what it was called. But he was he he eventually ended up killing every the protagonist. It's like Shadow Warrior, something like that. I don't know. Yeah. Wow, that's interesting that that's the one you read. That's a weird one to have read. Well, and then I tried to read Nathan, I'm sure you'll talk extensively about this, but there's this like 15 million part story about a hostile alien species called the Yuzen Vong that invades the galaxy. I tried to read that. I didn't, I, I just bounced right off of it because it was very dense and very boring. I read the book about the one hut who was trying to make a Death Star thingy called the Darksaber. Darksaber. Yeah, I read that. That was kind of goofy. I read... I read the first, like, one of the first ever books that they released in the new canon. The one that's, like, Aftermath? Is that what it's called? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Aftermath. Yeah, I read that. I read Lost Stars, which is another part of the new canon, I think. And at that point, I was like, this is not actually that good or interesting, so I'm just going to give up. And then, and I gave up, and I I never looked back. Oh, I also read the Tarkin book. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. The Tarkin book's good. I like the Tarkin book. Whatever. And I'm pretty sure that one's still canon now, actually, because it came out it came out in a weird middle period, and I think it survived the purge just because there's so little in it to like that breaks canon, basically. Yes. Well, from the new canon, I've read the Aftermath trilogy, which gets worse as it goes along. Uh, I've read the first Thrawn trilogy. There's two new Thrawn trilogies. I read the first one, which also gets worse the more it goes on. And then Lost Stars. I think Lost Stars is great. I'm a huge fan of Lost Stars. I haven't read any of these new... uh, I think High Republic is where they put the books, because... (laughs) <laughs> they basically gave the books their own little 100-year period that they were like, write books in here, and like nothing else will be affected by what you write. 
So I haven't read any of those. I want to because I'm sure they'd be decent. But I read almost all, I'd say like 80% of the expanded universe books. So not none of the comic books or nothing like that. But I want to say I read 70 to 80% of the books. So as a certified capital N nerd, I can say it was goofy, but I kind of, I don't know. There's something really charming about how very kind of like 90s sci-fi a lot of these books are that they just work on a logic that's very goofy and old-fashioned I think my favorite moment that I like to cite as like this is so stupid no one should ever do this is when Luke ends up back on Hoth and the Wampa whose arm he cut off in Empire Strikes Back appears at the head of a wampa army to try and he had, there's an imp, there's an implication that he had like messed with a signal to like lure Luke back to the planet <laughs> so yes star wars has always relied on ridiculous nostal- nostalgia ploys yeah i i just i think that was even as a kid who was like easily surprised and excited about stupid things, I remember reading that and just going, that is so dumb. How on earth did that even work? <laughs> um, but a lot of these books, I really like them. In the later portion, there's the New Jedi Order, which is what Elliot was talking about, which is, I think, 25 books following this war with the Yuzin Vong. I'm assuming it's pronounced Yuzin Vong because I've never heard a human being other than like me and my family pronounce that alien's name. So if I'm mispronouncing it, I apologize to, you know, whatever nerdy or Star Wars fan is listening to this. But I enjoyed those. I think those are a pretty good, like once they started doing these long form stories, I think it got better because there's a period of like, 20 like in universe years where all of the books are just these standalone sort of things and some of them are really stupid that i remember one called like children of the jedi that was dumb that had the eye of palpatine they kept introducing new like idiotic mega weapons that it was like this one's even worse than the death this one's you know wackier than the death dark saber is another one of those books that it was like they're building a Death Star, but big, but like, you know, it's so much worse. So, again, if you thought Starkiller Base was dumb, don't read the books because there's like two or three Starkiller Base level weapons in the books, which I just find funny now. And then the further it got, I think the last one they released was like set 40 some years after um, Return of the Jedi. And it kind of ended on like Luke, Han, and Leia saying, oh, we think we're, we think we might retire from like adventuring from now on because they were in like their, you know, 60s or something. But I, I enjoyed the books. It, it was almost the only thing I read in high school because there's so many of these books that I just, and I had to keep like 
I would read them out of order. So I'd read something and there'd be eight characters who I had never heard of, who I didn't know the backstory of. And I had to go back and read some stupid trilogy in order to understand who, you know, Dak something was or who Corin Horn was and what his deal was and why he's here with his stupid wife. But I have very fond memories of the books. I occasionally I'll read one just out of nostalgia. It's a, it's a good time. I love the books. I mean, it's a funny idea. This expanded universe book series, and it's kind of heartwarming in like a very silly, indulgent kind of way. Cause surely for all of these authors, it was like a dream come true to be commissioned to write an installment that would be officially recognized as canon in what was almost certainly their favorite childhood story or their favorite story, period. If I was commissioned to write a story in the universe of The Lord of the Rings, I probably wouldn't because I wouldn't want to mess with it. But I would feel like there would be a part of me that would be like, wow, the, the, the idea of putting myself alongside these characters and this world that I love so much that I would, it would would just make my heart go pitter patter. (laughs) Yeah. Well, and I did, I, I'm not sure where to put this in terms of our discussion of star Wars, but I was, as I was getting ready for this episode, I was thinking about how kind of cool it is that I think star Wars is one of the only is certainly the biggest franchise that started as a movie. And I think that's one of the reasons why I'm so attracted to it because like the Bond franchise started with books, Harry Potter's books, Marvel, DC, obviously started with comic books. You know, Lord of the Rings is based on books. Um, Star Trek started as a TV series. Like a lot of the biggest franchises started as something else. Star Wars started as a movie. And so I think that's one part of the reason why I find it so cool because it was like a movie thing it speaks to the power of movies and the ability of movies as a storytelling art form to create this huge thing that yeah authors are writing stuff for 20 some years that I don't think any of these books sold like super well but it's just cool I don't know I think it's really cool I love Star Wars but whatever (laughs) Anyway, 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 Elliot, let's get into the TV shows, all right? So, and let's let's start by discussing the pre-Disney shows. So this is the original Gendy Tarkovsky Clone Wars, uh, the original run of Clone Wars, and then, I guess, Rebels are the three that I think we've seen. We didn't watch, oh, Resistance came out after, so it doesn't matter. Yeah. Elliot, Elliot, thoughts on these shows, on these these three? Well, I'm a big fan of Tarkovsky's Clone Wars, especially as I get older. I think that they are 150% style over substance, but good lord, they are stylish. They, they are so... <laughs> they are filtered through... 15 lenses, lenses, lenses of heavy stylization 
in terms of the the drawings, in terms of the action, and it is it's it's cool. Like it's just really cool, man. There are episodes that have zero dialogue. Like it's just Mace Windu using his fists, just his fists to take apart droids. Uh, um and it's just so darn cool. Like there, there's, there, I don't know. There's not a, re- there's not a whole lot to say about it other than it's just really cool. And a lot of it doesn't make sense. There are a lot of shots of people fighting droids in the middle of entire armies, and only like three or four of them seem interested in fighting the Jedi that have showed up. That's dumb. But also. Like, it's just so cool. And the the little bit they have, the stuff they have with Grievous, General Grievous, I think, is especially well done. Like, when he shows up, there's a very intense buildup to him showing up. And then when he does show up, he's this, like, he's nothing like he is in the movies. Because he's this, like, monstrous, huge, almost animalistic threat like he uses his feet to fight more than he does his second set of arms and he's just so big and he hardly ever talks so he's more like a freaky fast-moving terminator than he is a, a, a general like he is in the prequel trilogy but yeah it's it's really cool i think it's more influenced by old anime than it is western animation certainly in terms of the fight scenes which are very fast very frenetic very high energy um they feature a lot of like close-up shots of people making exertions but uh yeah there's just so many cool ideas there's a lot of so many cool ideas in there like a big arena fight that count dooku is uh, overseeing and that Ventress, Asajj Ventress, who is a Clone Wars invention, I believe, yes, has to fight in. Or uh, what's the other one? The one with Mace Windu, where he's on this battlefield and there's this giant droid ship that I don't even know what the what the thing is supposed to be, but it has this <laughs> enormous metal rod that it shoots out into the ground, and somehow that translates into these massive shock waves that make the ground roll like enormous tidal waves. That doesn't make any sense, but it's cool as heck, I'll tell you that. <laughs> but yeah, I, I think it's 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 just cool, man. Yeah, if you've never if you have no idea what you're talking what we're talking about and you haven't ever heard of it, before the release of I think Revenge of the Sith, Gendy Tarkovsky, who is the creator of Samurai Jack, made a series of, I think all of the episodes are like five minutes long. So it's like a collection. There's two collections. It's like, it'll take you like an hour to watch all of them. Maybe a bit more. I think they're on Disney Plus because they moved like all the Star Wars stuff to Disney Plus. So if they are, you should definitely watch them. They are incredible. They were retconned pretty much instantly as soon as the new, the more famous Star Wars The Clone Wars show took place. because. Uh, Grievous obviously does not <laughs> work as depicted in this one, but it is, it's so cool. And yeah, you should go and watch it because it's dope. And it was a huge, 
I vividly remember watching the first collection. And I want to say I watched it at like a friend's house before I watched it with you guys. And we got it from family video and the disc was all jacked up. And so it took us like we had to keep keep skipping around to get stuff. But the cliffhanger at the end of like, how is Kyomundi going to survive this attack from Grievous is just just blew my mind. And like, oh, it's so cool. Anyway, the uh, the other two, the other two. Now that you've gushed about that, okay. Um, yeah. So, Star Wars: The Clone Wars, that was a show, man, and it was a long running show, and it was like one of the first shows that we watched consistently. That we that we watched every week. We always made sure to catch it on Cartoon Network because we were so cool. We were so darn cool. And it ran for like seven or so seasons. And then they released like an eighth one. And then a ninth one. Um, And the conceit of the show was that it wasn't... It didn't follow any like specific plot across its entire run or even entire seasons. Like there would be threads that would be picked up occasionally, but then dropped again after these little. So basically there were, it was a lot of self-contained one or two or three episode arcs uh, that would follow a character, maybe Obi-Wan, maybe Anakin, uh, maybe both of them. Uh, Ahsoka Tano, who was introduced as Anakin's Padme, not Padme. What the what the heck is the word? Padawan. Oh my goodness. Padawan. Yes. Apprentice. Wow. Um, which doesn't make any sense because he's never mentioned in the movies, but whatever. <laughs> uh, and so there was a lot. There were a lot of arcs that were really good. Um, there was there were a few arcs with Darth Maul who was found to be alive because of course, but there were, there were arcs with him that were really good, especially there's one where he like takes over the planet of Mandalore, uh, obviously in an attempt to beat and kill Obi-Wan Kenobi. That was really cool. Um, there's a really interesting one where Ahsoka gets like kidnapped and it basically becomes, it turns into star Wars, the most dangerous game. Mm -hmm. Um, that's pretty cool. And yeah, they they often follow like characters that you would know from the movies, but that you wouldn't know anything about. So like Plo Koon or Ayla Secura or Barris Offee or uh, Yoda, Mace Windu. Yeah, people who were kind of underserved by the movies because the prequels are ridiculous and they have no idea what people actually want to see. Um, so yeah, the, it... It forged a lot of the goodwill that I hold towards characters from the prequels. So, like, Plo Koon, he was really cool in that show. Uh, he was uh, very much, like, a stoic, calm, uh, but take-no-nonsense, get-things-done kind of Jedi. Same thing with Ayla Secura. There were... The animation style is very uh, distinct, and it got 
it got to the point where they were they were cooking up some pretty cool imagery. And yeah, it was it was a big part of our childhood. I I liked it when I watched it. I haven't I never rewatched it. Like I've never gone back and rewatched any of it, but I remember enjoying large parts of it. There are parts of it that are not so good. Um like there are extended arcs with Jar Jar Binks. Why? Um there are like one-shot episodes that don't really do anything or aren't very interesting, but it does a lot with a little, I guess is what I'm saying. And it definitely enhances the relationship between Anakin and Obi-Wan Kenobi that the prequels was supposed to be about, but weren't because those movies are ridiculous and have no idea what people actually want to see. So it did a lot of work that I thought the prequels should have done in terms of building up relationships and character dynamics and actually making you care about things that are happening and also building up villains like Count Dooku, General Grievous. They were both recurrent antagonists on the series that made themselves, that made these characters actually threatening and sometimes interesting. Yeah, I think Clone Wars is interesting because it falls... Like, it, it was canon to the expanded universe, and it's still canon to the new thing. But there's, and there's now, I think Dave Filoni's trying, ha- kind of having a hard time, because there's some stuff in Clone Wars that now doesn't make a ton of sense that he's trying to um, kind of patch together or patch up. I think Clone Wars is... There, it's good for the most part. It has maybe the steepest like highs and low like drop offs of any Star Wars property because you could watch like the Embaran Crisis, which is just a fantastic, very emotional, like really good sort of war story that focuses on the clones. So good, amazing. And then there's an episode where like Jar Jar Binks, like you know, is doing anything and you're just why am i watching jar jar binks i'm an adult i don't care about him and even kids don't like jar jar binks because he's stupid but i really like i have a lot of fond feelings for clone wars it introduces a lot of characters that i think are some of the best star wars characters out there ventress is reintroduced into the canon after being made not canon earlier maul while it's stupid that he survives i do think his storyline is a pretty good um, compelling storyline. Cad Bane is introduced in this one. Cad Bane is dope. Hondo Anaka is really funny, and every time he shows up, I what a guy. I just love it. As well as there's a lot of really cool episodes just building out. Ah- Ahsoka has one of the best glow-ups in Star Wars character history. When she's introduced in the movie, she's so annoying, she's so stupid, she makes no sense. Like Elliot said, why? Do, how does Anakin have a Padawan if she's never mentioned in the movies? And then by the time you get to the series finale of Clone Wars, most Star Wars fans love her. They love Ahsoka. She's got her own show now that we'll talk about in a bit. But I, I think Clone Wars is really fun. If you've never watched it, it's worth a watch or you should Google like best Clone Wars arcs. You don't have to watch all of it. But some of those stories, some of those like four episode things are incredibly good and, you know, just really good star, like classic Star Wars, in my opinion. 
Well, and then and then the only other two animated shows is Rebels and uh, The Bad Batch. We didn't watch all of The Bad Batch because it's stupid. I didn't really enjoy it very much. I don't think Elliot did either, so we don't have a ton to say there. I recently, because I'm I'm watching Ahsoka, I'm not all the way through Ahsoka, or I'm not all the way caught up, because I watched the first episode and I had never seen the end of Rebels. We watched like the first two seasons and then we kind of stopped watching it. So I went back and rewatched the last half of the last season of Rebels. And honestly, Rebels, pretty good. It reintroduces Thrawn into the canon and I think it does a very good job of adapting Thrawn. There was a line in the finale that I just thought was iconic Thrawn line. I'm not going to, you know, explain it because it takes a bit of explaining, but Rebels is surprisingly good, has a lot of really great moments. The season two finale is, in my opinion, one of the best kind of payoffs that Dave Filoni has been setting up where Ahsoka faces off against Darth Vader and... It's a fantastic fight. It's very well done. The voice actors all do an amazing job. I like Rebels quite a bit. I could be convinced, you know, if I have a bunch of free time to go back and rewatch the whole series. Um, It kind of has the same thing as Clone Wars, where some of the episodes are just like stunningly good. And some of the episodes are like, let's go steal fruit from a market or something, or just something ridiculously silly and juvenile like that. But. Yeah. This brings us to, though, the live action shows, of which there are currently. Well, wait. Oh, I, 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 did wait, you have something it, to say, Elliot? I have a comment about Rebels. Oh, okay. I didn't say anything about Rebels. Um, just that I also think that that season two finale is fantastic, and it is a, it is a fantastic payoff of the relationship between Ahsoka and Anakin. Um, and it just, the music I remember in that fight is really good. Like very, it's very. What's the word? Choral? Is that that's? Oh yeah, that's a word. It, there's a it's a choir. Yeah, sure. Choral, very reflective, that kind of thing. And but just that, I remember the reason I stopped watching it is because I felt like the equation of what you're talking about of good, well written stuff like that and um more silly childish episodes was leaning in favor of the silliness and the childishness and i think i was like in high school when this came out and so i was starting to i was just starting to want things that were want stories that were more i don't know mature that reflected the uh, intense depression that I <laughs> lived in. Um, you know, li- mo- stories that reflected that life is hard and full of disappointments. Oh, sure. um, yeah. So that that's why that's why I stopped watching it. Uh, but I do think that there were there were certainly some good moments in it, and it concludes this huge Darth Maul v Obi Wan arc in a manner that. I respect for being bold and not what you would quite expect, but also acknowledge as a huge anticlimax because Maul gets one shot by Obi-Wan in the, in the Tatooine desert. 
in a fight that lasts like five seconds. Yeah. Uh, I do agree with that. And I know, I have seen the videos, I have seen the analysis, I know that Maul tries to take him out in the exact same way that he does with Qui-Gon, and Obi-Wan realizes that, and that's why he wins. I don't care. If you wanted that to happen, then I would say just, like, put that at the end of a longer fight. Yeah, I don't I, I don't know about that. I, I appreciate it probably more than you. I guess the last thing I'll say, we forgot about these. There is the Star Wars Visions series, which is little non-canon episodes made by anime studios. I watched the first season of that. Those are pretty good. And then there's a Tales of the Jedi. I totally forgot about this until just now. There's a Tales of the Jedi series, which is like six episodes following, uh, I think it follows Yaddle is one of the characters who gets an, a, like two or three episodes. There's a Dooku and Qui-Gon episode that's really, like, genuinely really good and very interesting. And then there's, like, an Ahsoka origin sort of episode thing. Those ones are neat. I mean, they're not, like, fantastic. The Dooku and Qui-Gon episode is probably the most interesting just because it kind of gives you a frame of reference for why Dooku did what he did. The Yaddle episode is... <laughs> really goofy and very much feels like a we're desperately retconning things like why isn't Yaddle in Attack of the Clones? Well, don't worry, we'll show you. And then the explanation is stupid. So, <laughs> yeah, I forgot about those two. Anyway, on to the live action shows. We've got a couple now. Mandalorian is obviously the biggest one. Since then, we've also got the Book of Boba Fett. Kenobi, Andor, and now the currently running Ahsoka. Elliot, what are your, what are your thoughts on what are your thoughts on these? And if you're just going to rant about it, maybe keep your ranting to a minimum. <laughs> I think these shows are pretty bad, <laughs> and I think that people. I mean, look. Let's say for the say the line, Bart. People should like what they like. That is complete. That is perfectly legitimate. You should like what you like. You should not let anyone take away from that. You should consume the types of the kind of art that speaks to you and that makes you that makes you entertain and makes you feel good. Do that. That's great. For me, the art in question is not very good. <laughs> um, I think that some people have a tendency to forgive the Mandalorians' mistakes just because. It's superficially more like the OT, like the like the original trilogy. And people, of course, the sequel trilogy is famously very divisive. And so those who were left in the cold from that trilogy just wanted to return to form. So I can see in that context why this might appeal to some people. For me, I think it is I think it is really frustrating, the this show, because it's it's video game storytelling, by which I mean so many episodes revolve around Mando needing something, but the person who has that thing won't give it to him until they do him a favor. And it is straight out of RPGs where they're like, I'll tell you where the evil sorcerer is, but I've lost my five chickens. Find them in this nearby cave full of goblins. Bring them back to me and I'll tell you what you need to know. And it just gets so aggravating because it means that the pace is glacial. 
and they they are just creeping towards finales that I don't even care about that much. And so I think it is, to me, a lot of people, especially in recent times with Ahsoka, have been saying that this is like vindication of their dislike for the Clone Wars. For me, this is vindication of the idea that Dave Filoni really works best in those little self-contained three or two or one episode arcs. Like, that's what he should be doing. He should not be doing long-form stories that are supposed to carry an entire slate of eight episodes. Because it's just so frustrating. And also, this show gave rise to something that I, like, I actively critique things for having the Mandalorian problem of action. By which I mean... The action is nothing more than faceless goons being slaughtered at such a breathtaking clip and in such mind-numbing volume as to completely negate any hope of legitimate stakes from the fighting, but also being done with choreography that is so bland and uninteresting that it can't even be entertaining. Like, there, the Suicide Squad, that the, the Suicide Squad, has the Mandalorian problem of action. And it is, the action is not very good. Except for, the, in the Book of Boba Fett, which is a terrible show. I'm not even going to talk about that show, but it's awful. I really dislike it. But that show is so, the premise is so thin that they have to boost it with two episodes of The Mandalorian, and there's one fight scene in the beginning of the first Mandalorian episode that is actually good and tense and well-choreographed, and then they never do that again. But the fight scene in the, like, slaughterhouse is actually pretty cool, but then they just go back to business as usual. But yeah, Book of Boba Fett is really bad. Really dislike it. Um, Mandalorian gave up on it. I watched the the season finale of season three thought it was terrible. We watched it together. Total waste of Giancarlo Esposito. Uh, what Obi Wan Kenobi dislike it a whole lot for a lot of reasons. That I don't even know. It's not very good. Um, the the fight scenes again are really bad. The lightsabers. I don't even know. Like he hits people with. Obi-Wan hits stormtroopers with his lightsaber like it's a baseball bat. Like it bounces off their armor for some reason instead of cutting them in half. You you tell me. The the clashes between him and Darth Vader are just so lame. Like, I don't know. They're just, just not cool. They're just not very interesting. And yeah, it's it never should have been done. Uh, it has a fantastic trailer. That's the best thing about it is the first trailer that they released. Um... But other mm-hmm. than that, it's really boring. It, it, that, that, the, the fact that they get Obi Wan and Darth Vader fighting again so quickly is so annoying to me. Like, just can we have some build up? Can we have some anticipation? Can we have some some pacing? Um. So yeah, that's bad. What What are the other one? Uh, what's Andor? Andor. 
And then we come to Andor, and like, what the heck? That show's amazing. Um, this show, like, I understand a lot of people did not get on with it because they don't think it's very Star Wars-y, and they find the pace to be really slow. I think that the pace is not great, but I like a good slow burner. And for me, it not feeling Star Wars-y is, that is exactly what I want from Star Wars these days. Um, so if you didn't know, it's a show basically about like the seedier side of the rebellion. Like it's about underground um, raids and clandestine networks that don't really trust each other and this fractured patchwork of different militia groups that different people are trying to pull together but it's mature it's thoughtful there there that it also follows like a few separate arcs but it does have a more its storyline the broader storyline is about this character played by the always welcome uh Bill Scars not Bill Scarsgard Alexander Skarsgård. No, it is Bill Skarsgård. Who is it? Stellan Skarsgård? Stellan Skarsgård, thank you. The always welcome Stellan Skarsgård. There are, there are so many Skarsgårds. Him trying to essentially form a more cohesive rebellion, but also like grappling with the things that he has to done. It introduces nuance and complexity and all the things that Star Wars doesn't really have. And so for me, that all amounted to it just being such a breath of fresh air. I really liked it. I loved all the arcs. It was more, it was just so much more intelligent. And there was so much more thought put into it than all of this other nonsense that Star Wars had been doing up until that point that uh, I loved it. And I was more than willing to forgive some of the uh, sloppier pacing issues and tonal issues. And also, like, they're finally doing some shooting on some real sets and some on-location shooting instead of just this stupid green screen. Gosh, I hate the green screen in Boba Fett and The Mandalorian because it looks so bad and the sets are so low effort. Like, finally, where they're following the Lord of the Rings model where they're doing on... They're doing on-location shooting. They're making these intricate, well-designed sets to make it look like people are actually in places and not just floating in front of digital voids. Uh, so, yeah, pretty much everything that Andor did that bucked the trend of other Star Wars properties, I was totally in. I was totally there for. So, easily the best thing that Star Wars has put out in, like, years, uh, in my opinion. But yeah, I, and then I haven't seen Ahsoka because I'm never going to. Well, I've seen Ahsoka. I think Ahsoka, and this is all I'm going to say about these, because I think Elliot said a lot of things that I don't agree with necessarily to the level of Elliot, but I agree with it conceptually, like my issues with Mandalorian and Book of Boba Fett. But I, I've seen the first three episodes of Ahsoka, and I am enjoying it for the same reason one of the same reasons why I enjoyed Andor and why I really disliked the book of Boba Fett, Mandalorian and Kenobi is Andor and Ahsoka are much more focused on like the characters and kind of their experience rather than trying to shoehorn in 8 million pointless, stupid cameos. Book of 
Book of Boba Fett is way too, and Kenobi, are too, I don't know, afraid. They don't think they can carry it. Like, what the those shows should have been is a quiet character study of people grappling with where they are in the universe now that everything's changed, right? It should have been Boba Fett trying to figure out what does it mean, like, who does he want to be and what does he want to do now that he's gotten this kind of second lease on life? And Kenobi, I think the difference is night and day if you compare the Kenobi book that was in the expanded universe and the Kenobi show we got. In the book, it's mostly just him trying to avoid doing good and slowly getting pulled into helping this like tiny town that he lives by and like helping them in all of these kind of small innocuous and then gradually bigger and bigger ways where he helps them with some like Tuscan Raiders or something like that. Compare that to the show, which is right. Leia's in it. Why is Leia in this show? And yeah, like Elliot said, Vader shows up in episode three Luke shows up more than a few times. I think in the book, there was only ever one scene where he was anywhere near Luke because like, there's no good reason for him to be watching Luke do things. And then, right, so they they just are way more concerned with nostalgia bait and throwing in all of this random nonsense, whereas Andor, right, who's the most famous Star Wars character to show up in Andor? Mon Mothma, who I saw a lot of people, like, barely even knew who she was. They were like, who's this Mon Mothma person? She's in the movies, and she's... She's in the books a ton because she's a a pivotal character to the formation of the New Republic. But, like, instead, Andor was much more focused on, like, people and their reaction to the Empire and, like, good, solid character moments instead of trying to have all of this nonsense. And Ahsoka, so far, has been kind of a similar thing, that it's much more focused on the Rebels characters and Ahsoka kind of trying to figure out what they want to do now that they're in this kind of new place and kind of dealing with like their new place in the universe, now that there's a new Republic, like if you define yourself as a rebel and there's nothing left to rebel against, what are you supposed to do? And so it's been very much enjoyable. It's still stupid in some ways, but I'm enjoying Ahsoka. I'll keep updating you as I watch this, but yeah. And hopefully as we move on, this is where the Star Wars shows will go to, that we get more of these standalone, good, character-focused, classic Star Wars types of stories instead of these big, cartoonish, juvenile, you know, silly exercises in how many times can we see CGI Luke and make me want to die. Oh, man. The, the deep fake CGI Luke thing is just awful. Like, seriously, <laughs> I hate it when I hate it when people do this. I hate it when movies do this. I was I haven't seen Dr. Sleep, but I knew I know that they have that they just recast characters for that movie. And I was like, yes, thank you. Just recast people or better yet, just don't have them show up at all. I'm pretty sure Dr. Sleep does have a CGI Jack Nicholson, doesn't it, though? Nope. It just recasts some guy as Jack Nicholson? Yeah, it's just a guy who looks like Jack Nicholson. Have you seen pictures of the guy who they have playing Luke, who they're like deep faking onto? He looks exactly like Mark Hamill. Like it legit, the only thing the CGI is changing is the fact that there's CGI. It, it, he looks the exact same. <laughs> 
yeah, I hate I hate CGI deep fakes. Like the whole thing in Rogue One with Tarkin and Leia, it's just stupid. Just just have some lookalikes and some sound likes, and it's fine. Or again, just don't have them at all. It's not necessary. Just well, and just again, leave it alone. That's what they're doing with Mon Mothma, which kind of creates a weird thing that they've got a new woman who's playing Mon Mothma, and she shows up in Ahsoka, which I find funny because she's clearly like way younger than the lady who plays Mon Mothma in Return of the Jedi, even though this is set after. But that's so much better. Like I can suspend my disbelief and be like, yeah, okay, it's a different person. Who cares? But if it's CGI, it's always going to look stupid and bad to me. At, at every point in my life, when I revisit it, I'll be like, that looks dumb. Instead, yeah, whatever. Anyway, this is this is taking a while, but now we're here at the, the centerpiece of the Star Wars universe. The live action films. There are 11. We are going to be going through these in timeline order. So Phantom Menace to Rise of Skywalker. And for each one, we're going to give our brief thoughts. And then we're going to say where we put them in our ranking. And then at the end, we'll say, you know, in case you weren't listening or you weren't writing down everything we said (laughs) as we said it. Here's our ranking, but. So yeah, let's let's jump into this, Elliot. Let's get this started with Phantom Menace, 1999's The Phantom Menace, the first film of the prequel trilogy. I can give my brief thoughts here before you clomp around. This one falls ninth for me, ninth out of 11, so pretty, pretty low. This is not a great movie. It is very boring. It has long sections of pretty much nothing happening. It has long sections of pointless, meaningless jargon that no one cares about that I didn't understand as a child. It really only has one redeeming feature, which is a truly fantastic final sequence of Darth Maul fighting Qui-Gon Jinn and Obi-Wan and then intercut with a classic Star Wars style last ditch attempt to destroy a big thing. But on the whole, Phantom Menace is a bad start to the prequel trilogy. It's already signaling what's going to be bad about <laughs> the other movies in this trilogy. Um, so it's it's 9 out of 11 for me is, is this one. Wow, that's surprising because for me, it is number 7. And really? the reason for this is not because of any merits that... Phantom Menace has because because it has vanishingly few. It's because of just how few the other ones, the what the stuff below it has. Oh no! I do not like this movie. Like a great many people, I find it to be boring, slow, ridiculous, too goofy, too focused on things that no one cares about. Because the prequels are ridiculous and they have no idea what people actually want to see. For me, this movie is salvaged by some legitimately cool stuff like Darth Maul really cool he's a really cool antagonist he looks cool he's got that double-bladed lightsaber which is kind of I mean it's a it's a it's like the most obvious innovation on a lightsaber (laughs) is to just have two on the same stick but still it's cool Ray Park uh who plays him is a famous martial artist, so he can do a lot of the choreography. And that's one of the things I can give unqualified praise to the prequels for, is the lightsaber fights are dang cool. They are really well choreographed. They're really fast, hard-hitting. 
um, flashy. Sometimes they get into a bit a bit of stuff where I'm like, wow, this is just ridiculous. I'm I'm looking at you, <laughs> Mustafar fight uh, from Revenge of the Sith. But there's there's cool stuff in this movie, like the pod race. Eh, that's cool. That's cool. Um, there's some really good music. Uh, none of it is enough to say to make it a good movie. Like this is a bad movie. Jar Jar Binks sucks, and Qui Gon Jinn. There's like there's no characters in this movie. There's no character development. Everyone speaks in this absurd robotic voice, like. Oh boy, I know for a fact that Natalie Portman can act, but when she says, no, I beg of you, to the, uh, to Boss Nass, you could be forgiven for thinking, oh no, she actually can't act. I'm assuming that was Lucas, that was his direction, because everyone talks in this exact same dead inside voice. So like, none of this is good, it's just that everything else below it it's just really, really bad. So I don't want you to, I don't want to give the impression that like, oh, I, I'm a phantom menace apologist. I am not. I think that there are some cool stuff. There's some cool stuff in it. And it's just the stuff below it has no cool stuff or doesn't have enough cool stuff to be, to uh, salvage it. So yeah, it's number seven for me and I still don't like it. <laughs> All right. I, I do have to say, just in terms of comments on the prequels as a whole, the prequels suffer from George Lucas not having anyone to curtail his worst impulses. I mean, the original trilogy works because it's an insane collaboration between some of the most talented technical artists in film history. And George Lucas is a part of that, but he's not all of that. And he kind of became all of that in the prequels to the detriment of the prequels themselves. Yeah. So anyway, I'm assuming a lot of your critiques are going to fall <laughs> on the same. On the second film of the prequels, Attack of the Clones, this is my least favorite. I should probably say now. This is my least favorite Star Wars movie. This is 11 of 11 for me. All of these movies, if I was at someone's house and they said, hey, do you want to watch a Star Wars movie? That's an unqualified yes from me. Okay, regardless of quality, I enjoy every single one of these movies in some way. Attack of the Clones is the one I enjoy the least because it has the most meandering, pointless section. The love story between Anakin and Padme is terrible and is terribly written and there's no way... To salvage it, the actors are, like Elliot said, appear to be being told to be robotic and unemotional, which is like everyone is when they're falling in love. Of course, we've all seen that before. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and this one has very few redeeming factors. I honestly, the one redeeming factor when I was a kid when I watched this is they um, is Ewan McGregor as Obi-Wan is super fun and most of his scenes are fairly exciting. His fight on Kamino with Jango Fett is cool. I love the introduction of Jango because Boba Fett is my favorite, one of my favorite Star Wars characters, period. Uh, the finale where the clones show up just blew my mind as a child. I thought it was the dopest thing ever in the universe. And then the fight between Dooku and Obi-Wan and Anakin and then Dooku and Yoda I thought was cool. 
as an adult, <laughs> the fight is pretty stupid and there's very few like good parts of it. And most of the movie is pretty boring and is like waiting for the climax to happen, in my opinion. So this this is my least favorite Star Wars movie. But I still, again, if someone asked me to watch it right now, I probably would. Well, I wouldn't. Um, <laughs> I mean, I might if I if I didn't want to be rude. But uh, this is also my least favorite. This is this is coming oh, in at the go. bottom. Eleven out of eleven. Let's go. Uh, I don't really have anything to add. Yeah, it's super boring. They. You've got Darth Saruman in there, which is fine. I love Christopher Lee, but he did like I've seen some say the line, Bart. <laughs> like what you like. Fine. Whatever. I do not agree with the line that Count Dooku is like such a good, morally complex character from the prequels. Like, I don't see that at all. He never he it's never comes up. Certainly not in the movies. Yes, not in the movies. He never, to me, comes across as being anything less than just evil. And like occasionally he makes some gestures at like, oh, why don't you work with me and I'll and I'll help you take down the the big bad Sith. But every Sith ever is constantly doing that same <laughs> thing of like, hey, just come and work with me. Like I don't think there's ever been a Sith who's who's been like, I don't want you to work for me at all. I just want to kill you right here and now. Siths are evangelists, essentially. Like they, they are evangelists for their side, uh, very much. Um, yeah. But yeah, this is this is probably what I can say is that this movie is a good point to jump off in. What I think is the biggest failures of the prequels is that none of what it sets out to do, it or should set out to do, it achieves. Like the most baffling choice. In movie history, to me, is splitting up Anakin and Obi-Wan for the vast majority of the prequels. Like, this should be the centerpiece of these movies, is their relationship, their growing conflict. But that all of the conflict and stuff is happening in two separate storylines. So there's not... A, we don't have any real connection to their relationship because it barely exists on screen. Like, they're constantly talking about adventures they've shared off screen, but on screen, they share very little time. So it's very hard to get invested in that. And also, there's no sense of, like, companionship or brotherhood. Like, they just, it's the, it's one of the worst examples of telling and not showing where they're constantly saying like, I love you. You're awesome. You're my bro. Woohoo. We're cool. Let's go get a drink or something along those lines. But we're never seeing any of that brotherhood because when they are on screen, they're always bickering with each other. So they just seem like an old married couple, not these two brothers in arms that they're, that they're meant to be. And also the idea that the prequels are supposed to show like this, corrupt not necessarily corrupt but this like failing model of the jedi in that they're <laughs> very they're very bureaucratized and their there are problems with their philosophy never comes through because and i don't want to get too into this because we don't need to have elliot's writer's workshop here but doubt is important showing doubt is important to establishing an actual conflict. Like, if the Sith were not 
shown as 100% evil, or if Anakin didn't whine so much and actually did some thinking and some arguing about the tenets of the Jedi philosophy, that would go a long way towards making it seem towards making there it seem like there's an actual like the story wants you to be conflicted because as it stands right now the sith do nothing but genocide and anakin does nothing but whine so there is no reason for me as a viewer to take anything any of this conflict seriously because one side is so clearly shown to be on the wrong in the wrong and for me that is the for me that is the biggest failure of the prequels I'm just going to remind Elliot. I said, keep keep your comments brief, brief, brief comments, Elliot. Well, I it it, it had to it had to be said, Nathan. I, see, is it when I pitched the idea of the episode to you? You said you were like, okay, we can do that, but like, just so you know, like, I'm I will be grumpy. I will be upset at two thirds of the movies we talk about here. I guess to provide a counterpoint, as well as to move on to the next movie, the third film, Revenge of the Sith, I think this is what I'm wagering is going to be the biggest gap between where I put a movie and where you put a movie. I'm putting this at number five because I think Clone Wars and supplemental materials, and you could argue like we shouldn't be including supplemental materials in when reviewing a film. And that's fair. If you feel that way, then, you know, absolutely. I can see why Revenge of the Sith would be a poor film. I think Clone Wars saves Revenge of the Sith. I think if you watch Attack of the Clones and then the entire Clone Wars series, which is a big ask, I think Revenge of the Sith works. I think the broad strokes, ideas and themes and things that George is trying to achieve here do get achieved by other people in other places, like bolstering what he's trying to do. I think the last time I watched these, I watched these all in order before watching The Rise of Skywalker in theaters. And I felt like there was a noticeable shift in Obi-Wan and Anakin's dynamic from Attack of the Clones to Revenge of the Sith, that it changed from a master apprentice to friends, or at the very least people who had kind of a casual banter going, kind of like Elliot and I have. You know, you can tell in episode 70, the banter's changed. So it's got that. I think this ha- this one has the least downtime, which is the weakest parts of Phantom, Menace, and Attack of the Clones is these huge stretches where you're just waiting for anything to happen. There's really only one section, and it's not super long. I think for as bad and goofy as the writing is, it is still memorable in a way that I find very charming. I don't think it's good necessarily, but I enjoy it. So maybe that's good in a fashion, I suppose. Yeah, I I, re- I really enjoyed Revenge of the Sith. I think it has been saved. It's one of the better ones. It's the best of the prequels, and I think it's one of the better Star Wars movies, period. I enjoy it. I get other people not enjoying it, but I think this is really fun. The special effects are surprisingly good given how much of it there is. And yeah, I just I I think Revenge of the Sith deserves the praise, some of the praise it's get it gets from prequel lovers. I I can see where they're coming from. So, it's 5 of 11 for me, which is the top half. Okay. 
I'm going to have to choose my words very carefully here because this is the executive producer's favorite Star Wars movie. And I understand that for the people who buy what the prequels are selling, this is certainly like, this is definitely, this is definitely a cohesive story. It is clearly, this is obviously what it is, what it was building up to. This is what, this is the story that Lucas wanted to tell. And so if you like that story, I can absolutely understand why the culmination of that would be very satisfying to you. For me personally, my individual view is that this is number, hold on, let me see. This is number eight of 11. Yeah. I think that there are some, there are plenty of long stretches of boring nothingness. I, I give, I give this movie no credit for an entirely separate, uh, TV show that has nothing to do with this. (laughs) There's a little dig at you, Nathan. Um, It doesn't have nothing to do with it. It's in the same thing. Shush. The final fight between Anakin Anakin and Obi-Wan falls so flat for me for the reasons that I've stated that I just don't buy into their relationship because I don't see enough of it. And also, like, I understand that Palpatine's rise is meant to mirror Caesar's rise in in ancient Rome, in Roman politics. Like, it doesn't really have a crossing the Rubicon moment, but there's this idea that Caesar was given power because Rome was in a time of war and he never gave it up. Like he, if he convinced sort of the Roman Senate to make these powers permanent. And that's actually where we get the word dictator. It's a Roman word or Latin, I guess. It's a Latin word that the Romans used whenever they were in a time of war. They talk about this in the dark night. They would suspend democracy and invest power in a single person. That person was called a dictator. And so Caesar never gave up that power. And the problem for me with Palpatine in this equation is that we have no conception of why on earth everyone in the galaxy goes along with it. Like, everyone is 100% behind it. Nobody appears to question why the Jedi would turn evil and try to take over take over the galaxy. So I just don't understand why. Like there needed to be more work done showing dissatisfaction with the Jedi, dissatisfaction with the status quo that led to the rise of the Confederacy, and that would explain the acceptance of the formation of a galactic empire. Like the whole problem that a lot of people have with the prequels, and I know I'm getting, I know I'm going long here, Nathan. I know, all right, just be patient. Um, is that it focuses too much time on politics? I think it focuses too much time on the wrong politics. Like if it was talking about, mm. if we're talking about the politics that explain all of this, I would be fine with that if we knew why the entire Senate agrees to make him the emperor. And to slaughter the Jedi that have been this force for like thousands of years, I would be much more on board with that. But we don't, so I'm not. Like, I have no idea why people are cool with that. And it does bring to mind one of the, one of my favorite arcs from the Clone Wars is the Citadel arc. The Citadel planet arc that has Tarkin in it. And it had, 
Tarkin's role in that is that he's talking with Anakin about problems with the Jedi philosophy and problems with the way that the Republic is structured. So if we could have more of that in the prequels, then I would understand and be much more on board with Palpatine's Caesar-like rise to power. But again, because we don't, I'm not. Yeah, and I think that's just the difference. I don't know. In my opinion, it like saying just because it happens in Clone Wars doesn't mean I give points to the prequels for it feels a little similar to being like, well, Two Towers doesn't get points for like stuff that Fellowship of the Ring set up. I'm like, no, it's oh, in the same. Yes. <laughs> it's all the same franchise. And if you have watched it, I don't like if if you had to watch it or if I was telling you like you have to go and watch Clone Wars, you don't have to. All I'm saying is, my experience, I have watched Clone Wars, and watching Clone Wars makes the prequels better for me to watch it. So, I don't know. I I guess it doesn't for you, because you like being unhappy. Anyway, let's move on to the next the next. I like being unhappy. I just am unhappy. <laughs> All right. Well, the next one is uh, the first Disney Star Wars that we'll cover here. The And that's Solo, the, the spinoff. Han Solo origin story. Uh, I don't have a ton to say about this one. This one lands 7 of 11 for me, so almost right in the middle. I guess 6 would be right in the middle. But I like this one quite a bit. I think it was a moment where if Disney had went with this direction, I think we would be in a better place for Star Wars because they were recasting original trilogy characters. I think Alden and Heinrich does a fantastic job as Han Solo in this. And then Donald Glover does a really great job as Lando. It was a moment where if they had gone in this direction, I think we'd be getting a lot better movies, including a James Mangold directed Boba Fett film, which would have been incredibly dope. Unless Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny is anything to go by. <laughs> but as it stands right now, the movie just kind of exists as a neat what if. It even sets up like a sequel sort of thing with Darth Maul. But I think Solo's a lot of fun. I think <laughs> Elliot's rolling his eyes at the Darth Maul reference. I think Solo is a lot of fun. It's an enjoyable little adventure. It has some neat Easter eggs and some neat moments that I like to see that make me happy. But it doesn't have a ton beyond just being an enjoyable film, really going for it. So it lands 7 of 11. I don't know. It's fun. Dude, I can't even remember what that movie's about. Like, they're trying to rob someone, but I can't remember how they pull it off. They they went to Kessel. They had to rob Kessel, and so then they go through the thingy, and then there's a bunch of double-crossing near well, the end. But, like, who who is... The guy who's like the main antagonist. It's played uh, by Vision. He's some head of a gang or something. Because Han... all this is to say <laughs> that on a it, this is number six for me, and that's just because it, there's just a lot worse to come, <laughs> um, and that we've already been over. Uh, yeah, I just remember very little about this movie. It just, it just did not leave much of an impact. Like, I like Alden and Heinrich. I like Donald Glover. There's just stuff in this that I just don't really 
care about, like the dice and the gun and the jacket and all the stuff that it doesn't really matter to me. Like I, I would have been perfectly happy not knowing where Han Solo came from or how he met Chewie or any of that other stuff. Because to me, it's just unnecessary. Like, okay, he got the dice from this girl that he likes. Who cares? And he got a gun from his mentor. Who cares? Yeah, I. a lot of it worked for me in the theater. But then afterwards, just like, was just not enough to carry me home. Like, by the time I got home, I was just like, yeah, whatever. The, the whole Darth Maul thing, just... Can we find someone else to be our big reveal bad guy other than Darth Maul, please? There's only so many characters, okay, that they can pull out of a hat, Elliot. Well, they could have just not made this movie. Um, that would have been my solution to this little problem. But yeah, it, it's just, I just don't care. Just don't care. Don't care. It's number I'm six out of 11, but that's that has nothing to do with its quality. It has everything to do with what's what's below it. Yeah, so it's seven for me, it's six for you. I think I definitely think it's better than you do. So that's, I think, speaking to <laughs> the quality of these things. Uh, anyway, next next one up, I'm kind of, this one's kind of neat. Rogue One is the first spinoff Star Wars movie that we got from Gareth Edwards. I'll just say, this is number three for me. I love Rogue One. I think it's a, it, it's very good. It's so well made. It's a little thin in terms of like characters, but I think Andor was kind of, has kind of picked up some of that slack. I haven't rewatched this since watching Andor, but I expect it would change my feelings towards it. It's really cool. It has a good understanding of, you know, what makes the rebellion cool. And it has easily like one of the best. Uh, this scene is way oversaturated in terms of people being like, oh, this scene's incredible. But it is hard to overstate how bonkers and how like excited the Darth Vader scene at the end of this movie made me when I saw it in theaters. And just as a whole, I think this movie has a lot of guts. The fact that it, spoiler alert, kills all of its main characters is ballsy, in my opinion. And... Yeah, I, I really like Rogue One. It's three for me. The special effects look way better than they do in the other ones. And it's just a really good, it's, yeah, it's just a really good movie. Yeah, so this is number four for me. And I have kind of some mixed feelings about it. Like, I think Gareth, Gareth Evans. Edwards. Gareth Edwards. Edwards, Yeah. Gareth Edwards is a really good director. Like, he knows how to shoot stuff. He knows how to... He directed the 2014 Godzilla, if you're if you're wondering where you've heard that name before. And there is some conflict over how much of this actually is his, because this movie went through heavy reshoots. But yeah, there's, like, the special effects are really good. The fight scenes, the action scenes are really good. The thing is, like, you're right, it's very thin in terms of plot and character. Like, it really is just a series of big blowout battle scenes strung together by talking scenes. The, 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 and the talking scenes 
are really just there to facilitate the next big blowout action scenes. And the big blowout action scenes are big and blowout and action-y. And they're satisfying and they're fun to watch and they're cool. And the, the cool factor is definitely what is taking this movie to number four. But I ha- I did actually went back, I did actually go back and rewatch it after Andor. And I just found like, I just found it to be a bit too thin. Um, like it is number four, but again, I'm just not that into Star Wars guys. And there's a lot of cool stuff that I, that I enjoy. And the Darth Vader scene is fantastic. Like that, that is a, that is a great scene. That is so fan servicey, but like, I don't know who could, I don't know who, who at any time in their life was a Star Wars fan would not accept that as like, as fan service would not be like, I'm totally okay with that. So yeah, a lot of really cool stuff. It's just like, it's a bit, it's a bit empty. Cool. Like it's not stylish enough to make up for the emptiness. Like Tarkovsky's Clone Wars is, and also Tarkovsky's Clone Wars are very short and very self-contained. So that also helps. But so there's just not enough to really elevate this movie for me beyond being just some cool action scenes that you might as well just watch on YouTube, to be honest. If you if you want to rewatch this, you might as well just like watch just look up Scarif fight scene, Darth Vader hallway scene, and then you'll you'll probably be pretty well served. Wow. Um I'm not gonna recommend doing that. Watch the movie. It's good. This brings us to of course oh, but one more thing. Yet another tragic waste of Mads Mikkelsen's talent. Like, Disney seems to realize that Mads Mikkelsen is a great actor, but it has no idea how to how to employ that. Like, this and Doctor Strange, you just waste it. Yeah, and Indiana Jones 5. Yes. Yeah. Um. Well, anyway, next, that brings us to, obviously, Star Wars A New Hope. This is number two for me. This is a classic. We reviewed this. If you want our full thoughts, go listen to the review. I think just in terms of all of Star Wars, and this should be obvious just from the ways I've praised uh, the Star Wars movies I've enjoyed up to this point. I think Star Wars is best, at least the movies have been at their best when they're just incredibly fun, pulpy, action sci-fi films. And this that's what this is. It's number two because another director came along and did it better later in another one. I'm sure you won't be able to guess. Um, But yeah, I love this. It's a part of my childhood. This is a classic. It's number two. Yeah, this is number one for me. This is my favorite because I feel like it's the it's the most uncomplicated. Like you're saying, it's the most pulpy, the most uh, fun, the most straightforward. It's just a classic story of a peasant boy take getting magical powers and taking on an evil empire. Like it's it's a very it's a classic fantasy story with the science fiction elements. And look, let's give credit where it's due. George Lucas is certainly a visionary. Like yeah. uh, like I said when we were talking about can't remember what we were talking about actually, but like giving credit for innovations, I don't give a whole lot of credit for that, but I do think 
not everyone came up with Star Wars. Not everyone could come up with Star Wars. That was George Lucas. And so for as much as he struggles in the writing department, I think as an idea man, there's a reason that he is that his world or his idea for the world turned into what it what it did eventually turn into. Yeah, there's really not much I can say about this movie that hasn't already been said, but the lived-in universe, the art direction, the characters, the special effects, it's all cool, good stuff. I gave this movie, I think, like a B-plus when we reviewed it, so that should tell you something, that this is my number one Star Wars movie, <laughs> and it's a B-plus. But, but look, I it's enough. It's enough for people the world over, and that's <laughs> totally fine. It's just not enough for me. All right, well... I'm sure you'll love this next one, uh, Empire Strikes Back, Irvin Kirshner's Empire Strikes Back. This is my favorite Star Wars movie. I think this is the one that is the most fun and the most pulpy, and the style of this one just goes crazy. Again, like you said, Lucas is an ideas man. His ideas are good. Irvin Kirshner was the director to take this to the next level. I mean, the lighting... The special effects, the sets, everything is going absolutely bonkers. These are the most beloved classic characters in film history. Every single one of them shows up and just steals all of the scenes. Lando and Yoda showed up, and they're amazing. Obi-Wan is briefly in this. It has one of the greatest twists in movie history. I mean, come on. What are are we talking about here? This is one of the best movies of all time. I mean... (laughs) There's nothing more to say. Yeah, this movie's pretty good. <laughs> um, like, sure, uh, Darth Vader. The each movie of the original trilogy kind of has different different antagonists. Like in the first one, it's Tarkin. In the third one, it's Emperor Palpatine. And then this one is Vader's showcase. And I think this is there's a there are so many good reasons why Darth Vader is probably the most iconic and beloved film antagonist of all time like his design his costume is awesome james earl jones one of the things i remarked on when i watched i watched obi-wan kenobi and um a new hope in close proximity to each other one of the things i just constantly stood out to me is james earl jones gives so much more energy and menace in his performance in the original ones than he did in the more recent stuff, because like it or not, he's just gotten a bit older. Like he, <laughs> he can't bring that kind of that kind of verve to his performance. But yeah, he is so it's just this booming mechanical voice. Let's give some credit to David Prowse for uh doing the movements, being the one in the suit. Like he does a good job of communicating feelings through body language and posture and gestures. Yes. Um X. Yeah, so that's all really good. Love the fight between Luke and Darth Vader. Uh, there, like you said, there's a lot of really cool ideas in this, like them landing in a, the belly of a giant space worm. That's a cool idea. That's a really cool idea. Uh, I really like Yoda in this. I don't know why he tell why this is literally the only time in Yoda's history that he's telling some jokes. That he's got some humor. I, I guess he just forgot about it later on. But he's a great character. Yeah, it's it's it. I don't have anything. There's nothing wrong with this movie. There's nothing wrong with A New Hope. I, it's just like it, there's just not enough 
for me personally. Where does this fall in the ranking for you then? Oh, right. It's number two. Okay. Um, okay. So it's, it's, I would honestly say that these are like, I would give them the same rating. It's just, I happen to prefer a new hope because I just happen to prefer it. Like for whatever reason, it just sticks. It sticks with me a bit better, but I would say that they're, they're, <coughs> excuse me. They're very similar in terms of objective quality. And I also want to say why on earth, aside from corporate synergy, why did Disney replace Jeremy Bullock or whatever his name was as Boba Fett with Tamura Morrison in the in the new versions like that is so dumb who on earth was asking for that I don't know that's a good that's a good question Elliot that's a good question yeah Jeremy Bullock great I love Jeremy Bullock fun fact he's just the sweetest guy if you've ever heard stories about him he's so nice I do also want to say that I think Empire Strikes Back like also set a precedent that no one else has been able to really match because no one seems to understand why Empire Strikes Back and its pervasive pessimism works that the movie's not dark because dark things happen to the characters. I mean, someone gets tortured in this, but someone gets tortured in New Hope too. And New Hope is clearly a light, fun film. The reason Empire Strikes Back is seen as like this dark horse or this very dark film is because the pervading idea is that the rebels have literally no chance of winning, right? Like they they instantly lose the first fight of the movie. They're on the run the entire movie. They're on their back foot the whole time. The final twist is that, you know, Johnny good guy is actually the son of Johnny bad guy. And so... I think a lot of movies misunderstand what makes Empire Strikes Back a dark movie while not being like, you know, it's rated PG. A kid can watch this, but I still think it's a dark movie because the idea of the film is the good guys can't win and that there's very little hope and there's a little hope near the end. But whatever. I just wanted to say that because I, I, that's how I feel about Empire Strikes Back is people misunderstand what makes it good and what makes it interesting. Anyway, uh, moving on to the last movie of the original trilogy, Return of the Jedi. This is 8 of 11 for me. I recently rewatched this. And this is everything that's wrong with the prequels. You can already see happening here. I don't think it's as fun because it's so incredibly childish. The Ewoks are a stupid species they're cute again this is a movie i really loved as a kid but as an adult i'm like are you kidding me they're fighting teddy bears what are we doing here like this is so silly it has a few redeeming points i think actually now i'm kind of struggling to come up with redeeming points i don't know it's goofy i think if it came out today it would get absolutely ripped to shreds i mean boba fett goes out like a chump which is disappointing Vader has a heel turn that doesn't really get set up at any point. I mean, it kind of gets set up if you have the full context of all six movies. But in just the original trilogy, why would Vader turn good? I mean, he's a dirtbag in the other two. Um, Palpatine's kind of a neat villain, I guess. 
uh, the lightsaber fight between Vader and Luke is neat. And the finale is an interesting experiment in how long can we stretch out, you know, the exciting finale from New Hope to an even longer thing. But yeah, it's 8 of 11 for me. It should be obvious from the way I'm struggling to come up with positive things to say that it's not my favorite. I don't love it. Also, the new version, I don't know, Elliot, if you've seen the new version on Disney+, Plus, but like the, the whatever they're called. Um, we watched all these movies on VHS and have exclusively watched them on VHS, so we haven't seen the special editions. But the special edition removes that dope Ewok song that they sing at the end of the movie, the Yub Yub song, they don't do it. They do some other doofus song that like is terrible, that sounds awful. So also there's that. Because I, I watched this movie with a friend and it was on Disney Plus. And when it got to the end, I started like dancing. I'm like, oh, sick, the Yub Yub song. And then they started singing some other nonsense. I'm like, what the fart is this? This isn't the great song that I love. This is a terrible song. Yeah, this is number three for me. Uh, I don't, I don't have anything to defend it. It's just everything else is so much worse than this movie. There's a lot of like iconic imagery here, like the Sarlacc pit, Jabba the Hutt. There's a lot of iconic imagery in all of these movies. It's, it's cool stuff. The Sarlacc pit is cool. That's a cool idea. I like Emperor Palpatine. I like his, I like his theme a lot. Um, it's very ominous, very menacing. Uh, I think that they do an okay job of setting up Vader's heel turn. Like Luke's entire arc in this movie is wanting to redeem his father, which is fine. Um, (laughs) I think that it is a very cathartic, the climax of the fight between Luke and Vader when he refuses to kill Vader. And then Palpatine starts blasting him with his lightning and taking forever to just kill him. I think it's a very cathartic, effective finale to this whole saga, or it was the finale. Mm-hmm. And it's satisfying to see the Emperor. Like, the Emperor is an easily hateable villain, so it's satisfying to see him get chucked down whatever the heck that thing was. It's, it's like a reactor core or something. I don't even know. Even if it is, like, a technical thing, why is it in his throne room? <laughs> it's so dumb. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's fine, like, I agree the Ewoks are stupid and they completely defang the threat that the Empire had from the other movie. Like, why were the Rebels struggling so much in Empire Strikes Back if they can be defeated by rocks and sticks? That's ridiculous. <laughs> um, but it's it's like it's fine, it's it's fun. The music, let's 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 shout out John Williams for providing one of the of best, most iconic scores in film history. Fantastic stuff. I even listen to it casually sometimes. And then doing it five more times. Like, it's not like he just wrote a great score and quit. He's adding iconic themes. Like, Empire Strikes Back has the Imperial March. New Hope doesn't have the Imperial March. One of the most iconic parts of Duel of the Fates. I mean, every movie, he's adding some new, crazy, good, iconic theme, which is bonkers. Yes. So great stuff there. Yeah, I don't, I don't have anything to like recommend this movie necessarily aside from the cool factor. And again, like it's number three, but that's just because everything else sucks. 
Yeah, that's fair. Well, and again, I mean, Star Wars works best when it's just fun and enjoyable. And I don't really find Return of the Jedi that fun because I kind of feel like it's too juvenile for me to have fun with it. But since you're kind of a juvenile person, Elliot, I guess you just have more fun with it. True. I'm very happy-go-lucky, kind of uh, bright, childish person. Yeah. All right. Well, let's try and let's try and speed. This is going to be our longest episode by a lot. So let's let's try and you know. Hopefully, we have a lot of Star Wars fans <laughs> who are also our podcast yeah. fans. <laughs> Otherwise, this this will be a grave miscalculation on our part. This is a dark day for Magellan's at the movies. <laughs> Good reference, Elliot. <laughs> um anyway let's let's get into the dis the sequel trilogy the first one i expect we'll have some disagreement here on these you're funny because i think you're one of the few people who you like equally dislike in my mind every single one of these whereas most people have one that they're like this is good and then it sucks when this one came out you're just like these are all trash anyway uh first one force awakens much anticipated. This is number four for me. I can't say much more than I've already said. When Star Wars is fun and exciting and good, I like it. This is fun, exciting Star Wars. It has an incredibly likable cast. It has multiple moments that I'm like, oh, that's a new idea or that's a fun thing. Kylo Ren's lightsaber is dope. When he catches the blaster bolt at the beginning, I mean, my heart stopped. I thought it was so amazing. Um... It's just really good. There's some dumb things in this, and obviously it's kind of ripping off of New Hope. I don't think it's that close. It's I don't think it's as close to New Hope as some people make it out to be, as well as, again, like I said with the books, they were always introducing doofus new super weapons that are just like moronically, obviously boneheaded ideas. So them introducing a planet that's a Death Star, I was like, yeah, okay, that checks out. Like, you know, I'm kind of surprised they didn't do that in the books, to be honest. Um, it sets up a lot of fun ideas. Where those ideas go is maybe up for some debate. But I think as a standalone film, I think Force Awakens is a lot of fun. I don't enjoy it as much as, you know, the three above this, but it's a lot of fun. I like it. I don't know. Yeah, this is number five for me. It's okay, easily okay. the best of the sequel trilogy. Yes. But I don't like it very much. Um, I was a big fan when I first saw it in theaters. And it really it's just really suffered since then. I think that just because an idea is a dumb idea is like a tradition of Star Wars media. That, that I don't care. It's still a dumb idea. Like they, they do recycle a lot of stuff that I find annoying. I just don't find the new cast very interesting. And I think the old cast is very underutilized. Um, they don't spend enough time together. And like, it, I think I would, I would prefer it if either they, it was a, there was, I would prefer if they were more committed to reunite, reuniting the old cast and having them do their new stuff or keeping the old cast in the background and foregrounding the new cast. But as it is, I feel like it's it's kind of non-committal. Yeah, it's just I just don't care about any of it because none of it none of it is very is most of it is either been done already and done better or it's just not all that interesting. And like I think that Kylo Ren is a fine character 
And it's nice to have a more nuanced, conflicted villain who just doesn't ha- doesn't just have like a heel turn as Darth Vader did. And I love Adam Driver. I think he's a great actor. I think there's a lot of great actors in all of this, but they just don't have very much material to work with. And the whole premise of like the map to Luke Skywalker <laughs> is dumb. That doesn't even make sense. Like how? It, 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 it's stupid. And this is what I love. They have now reused that plot device two other times. And it did. It made no sense the first time, and it makes less sense the second time in Rise of Skywalker. And now they're doing it in Ahsoka, where Thrawn has gone off to a different galaxy, not by his volition. Again, I rewatched Rebels. He does not get trained. Like he does not go to another galaxy as a plan. This was an unexpected thing for him. But apparently, the witches of Dathomir had a map to this other galaxy somehow. No, that is, yeah, I'll agree with that. There's a lot of dumb stuff you got to stomach if you're going to watch Star Wars. <laughs> well, yeah, and it's it's number five, but again, it's just because numbers four through, or numbers six through 11 are just terrible. They're just awful. All right, well, then let's get- so let's to, get on to them. Yeah, let's move on to probably the most divisive Star Wars movie yet. And I don't want to spend- you know, I don't want this to be a huge, giant thing. Again, this is just our brief thoughts. Elliot, I'm speaking to you more than the audience here. <laughs> um, I have The Last Jedi at six. It is firmly in the middle for me. And that is because I'm very torn on this film. It has a lot of ideas that I think are fantastic and a lot of ideas that I think are really stupid. It's baffling to me how Ryan Johnson can have such an incredible, like I've seen in interviews, he has such an amazing understanding of like characters and understanding of Star Wars and his justification for so many things in this movie. I'm like, dude, that's straight facts, like true. And then he also writes a just a moron character like Holdo, who there's just like no redeeming why she does what she does in this movie. And, you know, Phasma gets just ruthlessly skewered in this film to to her own detriment which is unfortunate so the movie falls in the middle for me i like a lot of things about it it's probably the best cinematography in any star wars movie i would say there's a lot of really good ideas i think ray's character arc is really fantastic in this movie i think um kylo ren's character arc is really well done uh Finn is given less than nothing to work with and goes on the dumbest side quest of all time. So again, like this has some of the best moments in Star Wars. I think my I think I stopped breathing when Holdo goes through the ship and there's the shot of the ships coming apart. I think I genuinely stopped breathing because it was so gorgeous and amazing. I love I I think this is a really good version of Luke. I think him doing what he does makes sense. And then his final showing up at the end is a really cool moment. I get clips sometimes of him going amazing. Every word you just said was wrong. And then him doing the speech about the last Jedi. I, I think it's bonkers if you don't think Luke gets redeemed at the end of this movie. He's clearly in a different space than he was at the beginning. 
But yeah, so there's a lot of stuff I really like about Last Jedi. There's also a lot of stuff that's kind of stupid, that's kind of aggravating, as well as, and, and you know, we'll talk about this in the next one, but Last Jedi really got screwed over by Rise of Skywalker. It sets up so many great ideas, and Rise of Skywalker doesn't go anywhere with any of them, which makes Last Jedi seem worse than it is, because everything it does gets undone. But it falls solidly in the middle for me. I enjoy watching it. It's just got some stuff that's kind of frustrating. Elliot, what are your shortened <laughs> synopsis thoughts? I think this movie is awful. Oh this my is goodness. number nine for me. Terrible. And yeah, I look, I have no connection. Well, I have connection to Star Wars, but it's not my child. It is my, it, it was a big part of my childhood, but I don't have any like, deep affection for it. Like, I don't think it ruined my childhood. I don't think that it ruined Star Wars because I never really cared about Star Wars to begin with. So this is not me just being like, oh, I, I can't stand, I, this, this, I can't stand what this movie is doing to my baby. I just think this is a bad movie. There's a, there are a lot of bad decisions in it. Like centering it on this slow moving chase between <laughs> The First Order and the fleeing resistance people. That's a dumb idea because it's just not tense at all. And yeah, Holdo is a very, it's not a very good character. Her decisions make no sense. I don't like the Coder character played by Benicio Del Toro. He shows up out of nowhere. Doesn't make sense. Never comes back again. Even in this movie, he never factors in again. Finn's side quest is ridiculous. I don't like Canto Bite. I, look, I don't like I don't like Rose the character. I think that I am I feel really bad for the actress who played her because she also got completely screwed by this movie and by the absolutely undeserved abuse that she took from, you know, stupid fanboys. Um like yeah, it's a bad character. She's badly written. It's not the actress's fault. That's the writer's fault. Yeah. Um, so I feel really bad for her, but I have to admit, she's not a very good character. And her thing of stopping Finn from sacrificing himself at the very end is just ridiculous. Um, yeah. I think I don't think that Luke Skywalker is very well utilized in this. I think the idea that he was about to murder a child in his sleep is just insane. Like, these decisions... The decisions of the characters in this movie make no sense whatsoever. I think this movie is terrible. I I understand that Ryan Johnson loves to subvert expectations, and you can do that, but you have to then, you have to then replace it with something of your own. Like you can't just say no, that's not it, and then go silent. You have to say okay, so what is it then? Um, yeah. So yeah, and then the thing with Snoke, fine, that's fine. You could set that up for something else, but. Nothing comes of it. So yeah, yeah, special effects are fine. Cinematography's good, but I think it's terrible. Yeah, well, and I guess this brings us to the final movie, Rise of Skywalker. This is 10 of 11 for me. The only thing keeping this above Attack of the Clones is I do think it's fun, but I also, it could have been so much better. I... Again, like I already said, I like a lot of the ideas that are set up in Last Jedi, and every single interesting one is not followed through on in the slightest. Ray being no one is not followed through. 
Finn having a character arc is not followed through. Poe Dameron giving anything to do. I mean, this movie is just a mess. It feels like it was written by, honestly, AI, which wasn't around then, but it feels like it was written by a committee of, you know, boardroom stiffs who've never had fun or watched a Star Wars movie in their life. It's has one good moment where Adam Driver does the same shrug as Han Solo. I love that when they do the lightsaber handoff thing. I think that's really neat. Uh, bringing back Palpatine makes very little sense outside of like a court. Like it makes very little in universe sense. It makes a lot of sense if you're a corporate stooge who's just trying to like promote brand synergy and find a way to market the movie. It doesn't make any sense from like a I'm writing the like the end of the trilogy that's been set up. So yeah, it's a really frustrating movie. It's got moments where it's fun. And if you completely forget about the last eight movies you've watched, or even the last two movies you've watched, if you're watching these in order, you can have fun with it. It's kind of hard for me to have fun with it though, because it is like just painfully stupid at most points. And yeah, which is really disappointing. If you've never gone online and read the um, original Duel of the Fates script that Colin Trevorrow was going to direct before um, Last Jedi flopped and Disney lost their balls, uh, I would say go and read it. It's interesting. It's not fantastic. It still has some fairly stupid moments. But on the whole, I think it would have been a better ending to the trilogy than what we got yeah this is number 10 for me as well not because i think it's fun but because attack of the clones is unbearable uh <laughs> i think this movie is awful i think this is a really really bad movie this is star wars 9 the force awakens 2 and i think <laughs> that, that was a terrible decision like i did not like the ideas that the last jedi set up but they were set up and you should have done something with them instead of just trying to like retcon it like if you wanted to do, I don't want to get into Disney and the merits of its corporate structure or strategy, but if you were going to do this basically like improv, where every director would like take over from the next one and build off what they were did, what they did, then the number one rule of improv is yes and. But yeah. instead of so Ryan Johnson said yes and to J.J. Abrams, and then J.J. Abrams to Ryan Johnson said, no, 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 we're not doing that. And that is just... Go back, go back! Exactly! And it makes the whole trilogy feel so disjointed and so uncohesive, incoherent and uncohesive. Palpatine as the villain is a terrible decision. They should have just stuck with Kylo Ren and just made him the villain or introduced someone new if you had to, like, that's one of the things that Colin Trevorrow was going to do, was he was going to introduce Palpatine's master, who's not Plagueis, like you're thinking, loyal Star Wars fan. It's some other dude. But you look like you were about to say something. Well, I just, I don't think it was Palpatine's master. It was someone connected to Palpatine, but it wasn't, like, he wasn't making that idiotic of a mistake. And I want to say Kylo Ren is still the villain through the end. Like, it ends with Rey killing Kylo Ren. But he does introduce like another yeah, he, person he to does not have a redemption arc. It introduces that guy to push Kylo Ren like further to the dark side, basically. Anyway. Yeah, and ultimately, like it, everything just falls flat because there's no setup and no payoff. Because J.J. Abrams is trying to do a, is basically trying to do damage control. 
from what yeah. Ryan Johnson did. Like Ryan Johnson, his movie was destruction. Fine. I don't like that, but fine. So then you need to construct off of that, not try to rebuild what you were already trying to do. That's that's what I think should have been done. That is not what was done, and I think that the movies really suffer from it, and they become just this disjointed, incoherent mess that I really dislike, can't stand it, don't like the sequel trilogy at all. So yeah, I think that this is this more than earns its next-to-bottom honors. Yeah. Well, and see, I think I mentioned in some episode that we had that I think there's always a possibility that extra material will make the sequel trilogy better. Um, And certainly with, it seems like they're planning on doing a Ray movie, so there's a possibility of that going somewhere. But yeah, it is certainly, the way it stands right now, there's no supplemental material trying to bolster this trilogy the way there is the Clone Wars bolstering the prequels. Anyway, in case you weren't keeping track, for me, my ranking goes Empire Strikes Back, New Hope, Rogue One, Force Awakens, Revenge of the Sith, The Last Jedi, Solo, Return of the Jedi, The Phantom Menace, The Rise of Skywalker, The Attack of the Clones. Yeah, my ranking is A New Hope, Empire Strikes Back, Return of the Jedi, Rogue One, Force Awakens, Solo, Phantom Menace, Revenge of the Sith, Last Jedi, Rise of Skywalker, and Attack of the Clones. And I just want to say that... Huh? Our bottom two are the same. Mm -hmm. That's kind of funny. They are. I I honestly... I'm not angry. I'm just disappointed. I feel bad for the people working... On these movies, because especially on the prequels and sequel trilogies, because I don't think it was their fault. I don't think it was the prop. It was the fault of the actors or the set designers or the lighting technicians or the or Matthew Wood, the best sound designer of all time. Oh in case you were wondering, we forgot to mention Matthew Wood. <laughs> the we love Matthew Wood. Oh my! The, the best. He's 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 awesome. Love Matthew. But anyway. It's not any of their fault. It's the problem of, in the prequels, it's the problem of George Lucas. And then in the sequels, <laughs> it's the problem of this ridiculous tug of war between different directors, studio executives, and fans that just, it just meant that everyone lost. So, and surely, like, these were people who loved Star Wars, who were so excited to work on what was almost certainly a p- big part of their childhood. Like, Again, as with the books things, I'm assuming that for a lot of people, this was a dream come true. So I feel really bad that it didn't really work out for them because although I have no connection or I have no deep affection for Star Wars, I can understand like if I was on something that I love that much and it didn't really work out, I would be very disappointed. But I think that the actors, the technical people, you can all you can all feel proud of yourselves for what you did. Um, no, nobody's slouching in those areas. In case any of them are listening to, to our podcast. Yeah. And, and, and are, and have been slowly like crying because of what we've been saying about their movies. Yeah. I will, I'll just say this as kind of a, a capper now that we've, we've reached the end of our analysis of all of Star Wars. And this is pulled from a very, very good book. If you're a big Star Wars fan, I'd recommend this book very highly. It's called How Star Wars Conquered the Galaxy, kind of an analysis of why Star Wars got the way it got and got as big as it got. And one of the things he says in that tri- in that book 
And this was before the sequel trilogy came out, but I think it rings even more true now than originally. <laughs> uh, in the chapter titled, How I Learned to Stop Worrying and Love the Prequels, I think is what it was called. Um, he says how for, a, for most real Star Wars fans, the fact that Star Wars has like incredibly bad movies, like at this point, the prequels were hated. So the fact that half of the movies were bad for real Star Wars fans, not real, I don't want to, you know, define, like, you're not a real Star Wars fan unless you've do, done this. But he just said that, like, the fact that some of it's bad is part of what makes the entire tapestry, like, interesting and compelling. That the fact that three of the movies were bad is just a part of the wider Star Wars tapestry. And so the more that people add to the tapestry, if you take this metaphor further, with the sequel trilogy, with these live-action TV shows, with new books, with all this stuff, is just, it's giving you more odds of, you'll have something great. Like we already mentioned, right? Andor is fantastic. And if we didn't get Disney stuff, we wouldn't get Andor. So we've got to kind of take, if you're a Star Wars fan, you got to kind of take the Andors with the Book of Boba Fett's. Like, if we keep letting people make stuff, sometimes they're going to give you something that's bad and that sucks. And you're like, gosh, dang it. Why? Like, I don't want to have to defend this to my coworkers or something. I don't want to have to, I don't have to su have to suffer through watching this if I want to do a marathon. And it's like, okay, but we wouldn't get something good. So I don't know. I, I'm excited for the new stuff that's coming in Star Wars. I know, Elliot, you're not. But the prospect of more Star Wars in my head is like, okay, we've got like a 40% chance that one of these is going to be good. <laughs> Woo! So, yeah. I just love, I love Star Wars. You know, they'll keep making stuff. And again, like I said during the books, if you thought there weren't stupid, terrible idiotic like next time you watch rise of skywalker just think he could be fighting a one-armed wampa all right it could be worse <laughs> that's where in my opinion the one-armed wampa thing is worse than palpatine returning i i think that makes less sense but that's just me anyway well yes elliot i think that's unreasonably charitable <laughs> um i I don't like Star Wars very much. I think most of these movies are bad. I think most of these TV shows are bad. I think most of these books are bad. Good video games, though. Um, and I have no very, I have no deep affection for this franchise. I understand that it's a huge part of movies, that it's a big part of culture itself, of human civilization, um, which is all, it's all well and good. That makes it interesting to me from a historical standpoint, but not necessarily good from an artistic standpoint. I'm sorry if I've made you angry. That was not my intention. If you should love what you love, there's stuff that I love that surely people, a lot of people would look down their nose at, but yeah, it, it just, just do what makes you happy, man. We're actually don't do that, but just enjoy the kind of art that you enjoy. And also remember that life is hard and full of disappointments, especially when it comes to Star Wars movies. Wow. Good job. I was wondering if you were going to say it since you had already said it this episode. I was like, oh, maybe he thinks he's already got it in. Nope. Got to say it again. All right. Well, uh, thank you so much for listening. If you listen to this whole thing like, wow, you must really like Star Wars or you really like us. One of the two, we're going to assume that you really like us. We're going to assume the latter one. <laughs> 
Anyway, we'll be back next week with a regular episode, a regular length episode. So look forward to that. Uh, In the meantime, you know, may the force be with you always.